Welcome to Two Book Rooms. One podcast. The book club podcast where two best friends talk about books. I'm Cameron. And I'm Lacey. And welcome back. I'm just going to always say welcome back. Oh, yeah. my God. Did you hear that? Yeah, the sneeze. <laughs> it's rusty. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> oh, so what's up? How have you been? Uh-oh. Are you still there? Placer? Yeah, I'm here. I've been okay. right. I've been busy. <laughs> yes. We were we were planning to record in person and I had far too much schoolwork. So that did not happen, which I'm bummed because I was really looking forward to like hanging out. So that was kind of a big bummer. But anything new with you? No, no. But I mean, it worked out that we didn't we didn't get to record in person because I cleaned like the entire downstairs. <laughs> oh my gosh! Can you come over here and do that? <laughs> it took all that. I, <laughs> I like I like when stuff like that happens because, like, like you said, you're motivated, and then you can just like do it, and you don't have to stop. You know? Yeah. Sometimes things just work out. Well, what is the suck for the week? Or the two week? The suck is that I'm even busier this week than last week. Like, I literally have, like, I always have a meeting in the morning at 7.30 every morning. But I now have a meeting every afternoon for at least an hour this week on top of things. And it's, like, at the end of my day when I should be getting ready to like start cooking dinner (laughs) oh gosh yeah that sucks so like is it with your supervisor or that's just a group of us gotcha because they've made like a second for every department Mm. so we're having to like cross check with each other uh, to make sure we have all the same same gotcha gotcha um my suck my suck my suck well yeah I got a lot of schoolwork um I can't think of I was like what is that sound um I'm in a reading slump like Normally, I can read in, be- you know, in between our books that we're reading. I can read at least two, and then I listen to audiobooks all day. And then, like last week, I listened to this book called um, "Apples Never Fall" by Leanne Moriarty, who did um, "Big Little Lies" mm-hmm. and um, that new show on Hulu. I think it's called Nine Perfect Strangers." Yeah. She's a great writer, but this book was so boring. And the narrator, she was, I almost turned it off because of her, like, she just kind of made every character sound, like, stupid. Oh. And it was, it was just annoying. I'm really, I guess I'm really picky about narrators, and they can, like, really make or break it for you. Yeah, the tone can, yeah. Yeah, so... And apparently she does a lot of Leanne Moriarty's books. I don't know. I can't remember her name, but someone, one of our 
listeners was telling me that she does a lot of them and I was like, well, I guess I'm oh, no. anymore. <laughs> yeah, those are the ones that you'll have to read by yourself. <sighs> All right. I guess it could be worse. What is your sweet for the week? So my sweet for the week is I started using this crystal deodorant like a month and a half ago. What? And it has made all the difference. <laughs> okay. Like so I still like sweat, obviously. But I, it's no, I don't I don't like that one because my grandma used to have that one. This is a spray. And it's oh. it's called naked, no E. It's made in Thailand. It's Thailand. no, it's Thailand, not Taiwan. Um I think it's I don't even think it's crystal. I think it's like a salt base. What? Type I'm spray. looking at Anyhow, like, I still sweat, obviously, but I don't smell it anymore. And, like, it has made my armpits look so much better. What do you mean by look better? Like, I don't have this rough texture to my armpits Hmm. anymore. Like, it doesn't look like I have, like, lines of deodorant when I'm not wearing any deodorant after a shower, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. It's just, I like it. It's so nice. Okay. Did you get it on Amazon? Yes. Okay. Is it called NAKD Thai Crystal Deodorant? Yes. Okay. So, it's like all natural? Yes. Oh. Okay, because I tried the, um, which one did I try? I tried one of the all naturals and like so when I first tried it it was kind of cold outside and I was like oh okay this isn't bad well then I wore it on a warm day (laughs) no Steve was like is someone cooking onions and I was like yeah so uh I have not used it since (laughs) and then I kind of like broke out in a rash because um like it wears off Uh so you have to like constantly apply it and so if you don't have anything there, I guess my underarms are like chafing from each other. Mm-hmm. So baby, I went back to good old cancer causing deodorant. Yeah, this one's only natural mineral salt and purified water. Okay, how long have you been using it? It's been like a month and a half, almost two months now. Okay. Hmm, and like, I work out with this deodorant and like, nothing. Hmm. Okay, I want you to wear it, and then I want you to go do a heavy workout, and then I want like come over at the end of the day and smell <laughs> and see. If okay. You... Next, next book. Next book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't shower before I come over. <laughs> we can be all sweaty. Right. So I could use some of yours and then test yeah. it out and see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. What, Steve? He just said, "I need you on that aluminum." <laughs> I'm gonna get cancer someday because of all the freaking deodorant. I put on a ton of deodorant, so like I don't. You probably remember this, Lacey, but when I was like middle school, I used to sweat so bad, and like I mm-hmm. wasn't even hot. I would just sweat, and like I would put on deodorant, and I would walk outside, and my underarms would just be drenched. Like it ruined yeah. all of my. Shirts. My mom took me to the doctor. They gave me prescription deodorant. Nothing freaking worked, and then like I just kind of grew out of it. So I guess I kind of have that, like, PTSD. <laughs> so I really cake on the deodorant. Like, I ruin See, all yeah. of Yeah. When I was using regular deodorant, I felt like I was putting it on so much. Yeah. And this stuff lasts, like, 
maybe eight to ten. Sometimes I can get twelve hours depending on how much I sweat. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's I don't use as much. And then I don't like using gel because I don't like that yeah. wet feeling. So I'm using yeah, the white cold. stick, and it gets it ruins your clothes, it ruins your bras. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, sweet. What is my sweet for the week? Hmm. Well, people that are close to me know that I've lost a significant amount of weight. So that's something to celebrate. Um, Always. You you noticed it last time you were over. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a catch-22 because it's great, but then, like, none of your clothes fit. So I'm, like, trying to – I've been selling my old clothes. And, you know, I brought, I brought you some things. Mm-hmm. I've taken my friend Sarah some things and I've donated a lot, but I've been selling a lot of it on uh, Macari as a way to fund new clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a pain because, like, you know, you have to start over with clothes. I guess it's a good problem to have. Yeah, there could be worse problems. There could be, yeah. It's a first world problem, faux show. Um, so, yeah, that's my sweet for the week. Um, before we get started, Started. Do I have some hot goss for you? You are gonna love this. Okay. So, last was it last episode we did Grady Hendrix? Yes. Okay, we did the final girl support group, and then we also talked. You also read Riley Sager's Final Girl. Mm -hmm. Final Girl, girl. Yeah. I can't can't remember. Has an S. One of them. Um, and we were like, no, they are not similar. Um, other than the use of final girl, they are totally different stories. The support group doesn't even come into the Riley Sager book until the very end. Uh, final girl's a term that's been used since, I don't know what the horror genre started. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So, um, we got a post on our Instagram from at my cozy M N books. This is Hannah. And um she originally posted something like Yeah, I can't believe, you know, Grady, isn't it crazy that Grady Hendrix wrote his book first? And I was like, ah, hold up. No, he didn't. I was like, his book just came. I'm okay, Hannah, I'm skeptical. Right, Lacey? I'm skeptical yeah. of everything. You can tell me that the sky is blue, and I'm like, mm, is it? I don't is know. it though? That's just, just me, light like reflected off exactly. Of- <laughs> I'm just naturally a very skeptical person. So, like, when someone tells me something that I didn't know to be true, I'm like, mm. so she was like, yeah, isn't it crazy that Grady Hendrix wrote his first? Because um, she made a comment about how they're not at all similar. I think I posted a picture of like, I think it was the one you took of both of them together or whatever. And um, I was like, well, Grady's just came out. And, you know, Riley's came out in, like, 2017. So she, um, I, she, I messaged her, and then she messaged me. So apparently, Grady Hendrix wrote the final girl support group in 2014. Hmm. And when he tried to go and sell it, it was right when Sager's book was announced. And so mm. no one would touch Grady Hendrix's book. They're like, no, this is this is too similar. Um, so Hannah said 
she did. She said, I did some digging because it was such an odd. Oh, so what all started this was. Like the day Grady Hendrix's book came out, Riley Sager tweeted this tweet. Um, and it was pretty like obvious what it was about, but then he deleted it. But then like Hannah said, once it's on the internet, it's always on the internet. It's always there. Even if you delete it. So the tweet was, um, it says he wrote today's mood. And then it was a gif of Nev Campbell in Scream 4. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, you forgot the first rule of remakes. Don't fuck with the original. And then under it, he put, P.S., this wasn't a tweet about movies. And hmm. then deleted it, okay? So then he tweeted later, some of you have expressed disappointment in me. I'm disappointed in myself. I try to keep my Twitter, my Twitter a positive place. Today, I didn't do that. And you, dear readers, deserve better. Going forward, I promise to be better. Please accept my deepest apologies for letting you down. And this was Sager, right? This was Sager. Earlier today, I posted a not-so-veiled dig at another book that I've since deleted. It was petty, juvenile, and violated my first rule of social media, support other authors. Although I privately reached out to the author to apologize, I also owe an apology to my readers. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you do because yours weren't even as good okay so they're totally different books they're about totally different stories and then Hannah yeah. said I feel like the book community rarely gets drama but man when it does and I was it like it gets drama yes. yeah. so I did a little bit of, of research um, obviously after you know she showed me that and she explained everything I was like damn this is true so this was a Rolling Stone article that was the same day that Grady's book came out, July 13th. Um, and it was just kind of talking about the book, like what it's about. And then let me scroll down to what Grady said. Because the Rolling Stone article addressed where he said he wrote it. Okay. This is from Rolling Stone. And the author is Brenna. Ehrlich, E-H-R-L-I-C-H. I'm so sorry. I know that I butchered that. Hendrix, the author of 2020's New York Times bestseller, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, finished his first draft of what would become Final Girl in 2014, only to be turned down by his editor when thriller writer Riley Sager announced his own take on horror movie survivalism, 2017's Final Girls. It was frustrating, but I got it, Hendrix tells Rolling Stone. So I just stuck it into a digital drawer until my manager asked if I had written anything a few years later. I showed him Final Girls, and he's like, I can sell this. If you get this up to speed, I can sell it. So he's telling Rolling I mean, it seems to be true that it was written. Yeah. Way At least a rough draft. But, I mean, it's so stupid for an editor to be like, no, we can't. Do- I mean, how many freaking books are there about witches? How many books are there about wizards? Vampires, fairies, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, when Twilight came out, how many other series about vampires came out? Like, Yeah, and werewolves and all that, yeah. I think it's stupid to pass on a book because someone, I mean, if anything, that's the time to strike because that's when it's probably going to be more talked about and popular. I mean, I connected the two simply because it said Final Girl. Yes, me too. So I bought both of them and read both of them. (laughs) (laughs) So then there was also a Reddit post. Riley Sager shaded the new Grady Hendrix book 
thoughts on these authors and titles. So all of these people must be Grady Hendrix fans because they're just like bashing rice. <laughs> well, and my um, thing is, if you're going to call it a, a final girl book, you need to have film references in it because that's the whole point of a final girl. But Yeah, I mean, that's where it came from. Yeah, Sager didn't do that. I didn't really like Sager's story in comparison to Hendrix, but had I read it on its own, I might have liked it just a tad bit better, but it still just wasn't as strong as Hendrix's book was. So, All About Evie on Reddit said, Riley seems butthurt in general that people yeah. like Brady so much. This isn't the first time he's thrown shade. And Viking R 666 responded, I think he's Sager extra sensitive right now because this recent book isn't getting great reviews. It is inexcusably bad. I do not agree with that because Survive the Night no, was I like a really it. good book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it says, and then Manic underscore Moth 95 said, see, I've read both Sager and Hendrix's new release, and while I don't think Survive the Night is as awful as everyone says it is, it was clearly rushed. Sager's pumping yeah. out these thrillers once a year now, and it's starting to show. Hendrix's book, while I had my own disappointments with it, was so much better than Sager's. I, I don't think you can compare Survive the Night and Final Girl support group. That's No, because Survive early. the Night's completely different. Yeah. I enjoyed Survive the Night. I did. Too. I enjoyed Final Girls. Um, I enjoyed Final Girl support group. They are all very, very different. I, I, we said in our episode multiple times, we didn't think it was fair to compare them. One's horror, one's thriller. Yeah, they sometimes, I mean, horror and thriller does go hand in hand a lot, but it's, I mean, they were just different stories. Yeah. And I think it's very immature of Riley Sager to yeah. act like that. Um, I mean, had he read, because you know, authors will get like advanced copies or whatever. I would like to know if he had read it when he tweeted that. Oh, probably. Because if you've read it, <laughs> You, sh- you it know. should be obvious. Yeah. It's nothing like Absolutely. no one ripped you off. Well, yeah. and if Sager read it, he would know Ghostface was in Hendrix's book. So obviously he read it, or somebody told him some of the yes. details from the book. I don't know. I think. Okay, so this is on Wikipedia. I said, where does the term "final girl" come from? The term was coined by Carol J. Clover in her book, Men, Women, and Chainsaws, Gender in the Modern Horror Film, which came out in 1992. Clover suggested that in these films, the viewer began by sharing the perspective of the killer, but experienced a shift in identification to the final girl partway through the film. That's per Wikipedia. So neither of them coined this term. This is a term that's used. It's just, man, she should have really uh, trademarked that final <laughs> Gene Simmons would have done it. Did you know Gene Simmons uh, trademarked the money, the dollar sign? No. So, like, apparently no one had ever done it, and um, he was like, yeah, I was just, like, curious, so I looked into it, and no one had done it, so I did it. <laughs> so now, every time the dollar sign is used, Gene Simmons gets paid. Fun fact. Um, totally random. So that's right. That's the hot goss that I had for you. Riley Sager's a little baby. What were you gonna say? <laughs> <laughs> Just that 
it would be, I don't know, the book that's not as great in my eyes that's causing all the shade. <laughs> I okay. If I had to choose, Final Girl Support Group was better. If yeah, I had absolutely. to choose, but I don't want to because I like to hold them each to their own. I don't. I don't want to compare them because they're I just, not. I, comparable. I don't feel like Riley Sager has anything to be mad about. I don't either. If the stories were closer, like if he had movie references and like better backstories than his and like more than one girl, then I could see getting upset because it would be a lot more similar, but it's not. See, I don't even think it needs to be like that because I mean, Final Girl's not just from the movies. It could be from real life. It could be from a story. And he was telling a story about a final girl. So the fact that he didn't have movie references, I don't even, like, that's not an issue. It was awesome that Grady Hendrix did it because that is what we associated with. Yes. And that's what we know it from. And Grady Hendrix did it. I mean, he's obviously a movie fan. You can tell by the way he writes. He writes. Yeah. So I I don't care about that. But Maybe maybe it's that final girl is kind of a campy thing, and Riley Sager's books are not campy, or at least oh. Final Girls wasn't. Survive the Night was a little bit with all that Nirvana song and all the 90s nostalgia. Yeah, that was more like a movie than mm-hmm. Final Girl was. I mean, maybe you could say Riley's Cobby and Grady at this point. Who knows? I'm just going to throw that out there. I mean... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I tried finding Riley's sign because I was curious, and there's no, like, his birthday is not on the, oh, here we go. Well, he used to be a news article writer, correct? Yeah. Yeah. New York Times, wasn't it? Okay, I think his real name is Todd Ritter. Didn't we have a coach at school named that? I don't remember. Damn it, no one has his birthday. The way he's acting... I want to say he's probably, and he's just acting like a big baby. I feel like that's like a cancer or like a Scorpio thing. Something like that. Like, even Stephen King and Dean Koontz didn't have this kind of drama. Really? I don't think so. I mean, am I? Ooh, <laughs> if you are know, listening, but... <laughs> you know, if Stephen King and Dean Koontz had some beef, you need to let us know. Yeah, I guess they would kind of be lumped in the same. Yeah, they would. Absolutely. Huh. Okay, let me Google it. Does... <laughs> I think Stephen King is not the type to not to really care not. about that. But, I mean, ne- Hendrix doesn't seem like he is either. It's always like the other party. So it would probably be Dean Coons in this situation. But I don't feel like he's like that either because he pumps out a lot of books as well. Yes, he does pump out a lot of books. Okay, someone, the first result from Quora, are Stephen King and Dean Koontz the same person? <laughs> no. You can tell by the writing, no. Uh, the writing's on the wall. <laughs> I don't see anything about beef. I'll have to do, I'll be yeah. search for you and see. But yeah, so apparently Riley just fucking hates Grady Hendrix. I mean, you heard it here first on Two Bookworms, One Pocket. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) But I I love drama when it doesn't involve me. 
<laughs> like when it doesn't involve me, I'm like, ooh, tell me. Like, yes, tell me all. But if it's my drama, I'm like, no, I'm drama free. I don't deal with it. <laughs> so that. All right. I hope I delivered that. Did you enjoy that? I hope I delivered that well. Because when I was talking to Anna, I was like, okay. <laughs> so this week, Under the Whispering Door by TJ Quinn. Mm-hmm. I'm scared to ask, what did you think of it? So I did finish it. As you all know, as you all know, I would normally not. <laughs> I did in her life. Um, no, I didn't in her life, but I did tell her to finish it. <laughs> Are you glad that you finished it? I mean, not really. <laughs> because this was just another, like, self. It was, yes. Coming into one's self stories, and we all know yes. I don't like those because they're not enjoyable for me. There's not a lot going on. I feel like I was kind of led astray because yeah. I read his first book, um, The House on the Cerulean Sea, and I really wish I would have had you read that book first because now you probably never will. And um, it was <laughs> a very different story. It wasn't it was kind of like finding yourself, but it had like so much comedy and so much um, like magic and fan. Like, yeah, there was I was a lot expecting of a lot comedy. more comedy from this than there yeah, actually was. This was heavy. Um, so we'll talk about it. We'll get into our questions. I want to tell you before we get started. I saw a Goodreads interview with the author, and apparently, he wrote this book. After his partner had died and his partner was young and it was like apparently very unexpected. That would make sense. Yeah. And you can really feel a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I would say if you haven't read this book, definitely trigger warnings. Lots. Lots. Death, suicide, child death. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, depression. It, yeah, it was it was heavy. Um, so, well, I'm glad that you finished it. Good job. I'm very proud of you. Let me pull up our questions. So, what was, your, <laughs> what was your favorite part of the book? I loved that the dog was still around Apollo. Hugo's dog. So sweet. Dang. Okay, oh, we didn't give him a synopsis. You give him a synopsis. Okay, so this man named Wallace dies prematurely. He's still young. Um, At his funeral, he sees this woman he's never seen before. And eventually, after, you know, he's self-monologuing during his own funeral, (laughs) she gives a sign that she sees him. Uh And basically, she has come to escort Mm -hmm. Wallace to this place where he's going to stay until he's ready to cross over into the after afterlife. Mm-hmm. And we just learned about his journey with the Reaper May, which mm-hmm. is the woman at his funeral, Hugo, which runs the coffee shop and is coins, the ferryman because he helps people cross over. Mm-hmm. And then it's his dog, Apollo that's also in the shop and his grandfather, Nelson, Nelson, yeah, and Nelson and Apollo are ghosts. Mm-hmm. And Wallace can see them because he's a ghost, and May can see them because she's a reaper, and Hugo can see them because he's a ferryman. So, 
Um, there was only like four people at Wallace's funeral. Yeah. Apparently, he was like a real dick in life. Um, he was an attractive man. No, at the the book opens with him firing his assistant. Yeah, because she filed something late to the judge or something. Only Actually, once. Only once, and okay, but I kind of get his side of it though. Like I do too. If you're fi- filing shit with the court, you can't file that shit late. And he said the judge owed me a favor. That's how I got around it. But like, you can't do this, you know. Um, so he fired her, and then he like has a heart attack, <laughs> and like Lacey said, he's at his funeral, and um, he goes to okay. This is the funny part. So. Hugo's tea shop is named, and I looked up how to say this because. Caron. 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 Caron's Crossing is the name of the tea shop. And then uh, we obviously know that name because we read A Touch of Darkness. And Mm -hmm. if you have a, you know, knowledge of Greek mythology, it's a name that comes up. So Caron in Greek mythology, this is per Britannica.com. Uh, it's a duty. What his duty is to ferry over the river Styx, the souls of the deceased who had received the rites of burial. In payment, he received the coin that was placed in the mouth of the corpse. Um, he's the one. He's the one in Touch of Darkness that I'm sure you remember. Yeah, she meets yeah. or whatever. Um, but in the, uh, Touch of Darkness, isn't he described as like the the god of something? Right. I think he's the god of death. Right. I thought so because he came to get everybody, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's like a, I think naming the tea shop, the Cameron's Crossing was like a little, and then he even says that in the book. He goes like, it's a little joke about ferrymen. Um, but how funny that it's Caron and, you know, like we have this pandemic of Karens. (laughs) 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 The Karen Crossing. Yeah. <laughs> um, dude, I almost went Karen on this chick at AT and T the other day. Oh, Steve had to hold me back, y'all. Oh, she was asking for it. So, do you want me to tell the story? That's well. <laughs> okay. So, um, I got I gifted my old iPhone to my mother-in-law who had an iPhone six, and um. She was like, hey, I need your guys' help updating my iPhone. Because, you know, when the new iPhone comes out, like, the new software comes out? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I don't think your iPhone's going to be able to update anymore. Because, you know, they, like, start cutting it off. Yeah. They want you to get the new phone or whatever. And then this was the 13 that came out, and she was still on the 6. So I was like, even if we can get it to download, you may not have enough. Like, the phone may not be able to handle the operating system. And I only know this because the last one that came out, the 12, my brother-in-law had a 5, and he couldn't update. He had to get a new phone. Like, this like, is exactly this is, what happened in mine at your Oh, wedding. really? This, this is why it started burning hot mm. and why it would suddenly power off and everything is because mine was older, and they were trying to push me into the newer one. So I had, I've got, what, a 10 now? And I had... I think it was like a four at this point, maybe. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah. I had like a really old one because I'm one of those people that I just will not upgrade my phone unless I absolutely have to because it's a ridiculous <sighs> amount of money. It is. And then you it's the pain in the ass 
of like switching everything over and then you have to re-sign into all of your apps and oh my god it's such a pain in the ass yeah after i got this phone i was like i'm not upgrading again for a really long time I that's why i don't it. yeah i only got this one to give her mine basically because i was like i was happy with the phone that i had um i really didn't have any issues with it so i gifted it to her and I had called AT or Steve called AT and T and he was like, Hey, what do we need to do? And they're like, Oh, you can just take it in the store because she like is not on our plan. She's on her own plan, but we just needed them to like, you know, hook it up to her line or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we drive all the way up there. Like we planned our whole day around this. Oh, they don't do tech in the store, do they? So Steve and his mom go inside. I was parking the car because you know, Cam got to park far out. I don't want anyone touching my car. And it was hot that day. And I was like, hey, I'll just meet y'all inside. So I went and parked the car. I come in. And they're, like, getting ready to leave. And I was like, whoa. And and Steve was like, oh, they don't do it here. I was like, what do you mean they don't mm-hmm. do it here? And she was like, yeah, um, you can just plug in your SIM card. And I was like, um, well, we don't even have the tool to open it. She's like, oh, you could just use, like, a paper clip. Or, and I was like, that is not what they told us on the phone. Like, the phone made it sound a lot more involved. She's like, well, there's this thing called the SIM card. And you can just pull it out. And then you can... So you can take yeah, her know what it is. card, and I'm like, bitch, I know what a motherfucking SIM card is. Okay, that is not. I don't need you to mansplain what a SIM card. We were getting cell phones when those were invented. Thank you. <laughs> you have some some fucking SIM cards out. Damn. So after she mansplained SIM mansplained SIM card to me, I was like, Steve saw my eye because I was wearing a mask. Of course, she had her mask pulled below her nose. Nasty bitch. I had a mask on, but Steve told my eyes get real big, and he was like, we got to go. And then I was like, listen, they told us on the phone that we had to come in here and transfer her stuff over. And she was like, oh, we don't even have the machine to transfer it. And then the guy at the table behind us, he's like, yeah, you can just leave your phone here while we transfer everything over. It'll take about an hour and a half. I'm like, well, that ain't what that dude just said. He says, y'all got the machine. It sounds like you just don't want to do it because you're not going to make a sale, ho. Uh, damn, I was about to call AT&T I was about to call AT&T I was about to call her manager I was about to call the CEO of AT&T see the only reason I, don't, I know they don't do that in store now is because my mom tried to do the same thing they forced them out of their old phones and they had to get new phones and so she ordered those phones and she tried to take them up there to activate and they're like oh no we don't do that you have to do it at home and she's like well what do I do and they're like, you Why just follow the do? instructions. And she's like, really? <laughs> she's like, and then she still had problems. She still couldn't get them fixed. So she still had to call the support line. Mm, and this was AT&T? <clears throat> yeah. Ooh, we need to, we need to hashtag. They need to fix this. This is not working for me. Yeah. Cause like all these elderly folks. Yeah. How to do all this stuff. Exactly. And like, were you able to help your mom? Eventually I had to because she just couldn't do it. Okay. So, like, imagine if you weren't there. Like, yeah, who, someone exactly. at the store has to fix her damn phone. What the hell is that store for? If we can order all this shit online, you don't even need a store anymore. Exactly. And then they said that the phones were going to be free because they were making them upgrade. And then they tried to charge her on the bill. So she had to call them again mm, to get the charges taken off. Mm-mm. Like, it's just, like, they try and screw people because yes, people they, need phones. They pulled some shit like that on us because, um... I think it was the same day Steve called to ask about what we need to do to get it turned on for his mom. And then he was asking, oh, because he, like, um, got a new credit card. So he's like, hey, like, because, you know, you get a discount with automatic bill pay. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I just need to change it to my new card. And they're like, okay. Well, the idiot, whatever they did, took the bill pay off. 
And Steve had to call like three different times, like, hey, I wasn't trying to take the bill payoff. I just have a new card. Like, if you run the old card, it's not going to work because it's expired. And so it took like three or four calls to get them to put it back on. So this time, this dude was super helpful because he was like, um, yeah, I see you're, you're using like an old plan that we don't even have anymore. This one's way cheaper and it's faster internet. And it's like, so we've been paying all this time for this slow ass internet that's more expensive when y'all could have just changed that shit. No, like, they don't do that. If we no, went aside, we'd have just kept, kept, kept overpaying right. for this right. slow ass internet. That's bullshit. Yeah. I'm sick of this shit. But the, they're all like that. It doesn't matter if it's AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon. No, like, I know they can't be. People have to have phones. Exactly. Like, this, this, I guess this is why one of my guy friends just doesn't have a phone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him. Uh, yeah. I'm not getting another phone, that's for sure. It is. So, like. They do make it easy now because if you have all your stuff on the cloud or if you like signed in, it will load to the new phone. But it used to not be like that. You used to have to manually move that shit over. And I guess I'm kind of in that mindset. That's what I was worried. I was just worried that like my mother-in-law was going to lose like all the stuff on her old phone. But this, this girl didn't have to be a bitch. And she had some janky eyeliner too. She needs to learn up her eyeliner on right. Cause I, so that's funny because when I told Steve when I was going to call, he's like, well, I didn't get her name. I'm going to be like, well, I'm just going to ask about the girl with the janky eyeliner. They'll always <laughs> know who I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. Back to the book. Um, <laughs> sorry. I went off, but that really pissed me off. So what were your favorite part of the book? So <laughs> one of the really funny scenes was when this fake medium comes in and they oh. and she's been in before. Lay hates her. Like she hits mm-hmm. on Hugo even though Hugo's gay. Mm-hmm. So and he's told her that he's yeah. gay and he's yeah, not he's interested. And she continues to treat him like people. Yeah. And Wallace decides that he's gonna mess with her. <laughs> <laughs> so I he think... starts spelling all this stuff on her Ouija board and <laughs> he knocks stuff over and it's it's just hilarious. I actually cackle at that scene. So that scene is like what the whole house of the cerulean sea is like that kind of humor that kind of mm-hmm. banter that kind of wit and i guess it's just such a different feel i really think you should give cerulean sea a try lacy because i think you would really enjoy it it's not it's nothing like this they're so different um and house on the cerulean sea really blew me away i gave it five stars so i was so excited to read this and i didn't dislike this book but it was extremely hard to get into. Yeah. I didn't like it as much as I know I could have if some things had been changed. And it was like, I was so busy. It, at yeah. the end of the day, I didn't want to read. Right. I was so tired. Whereas if it would have been like something that I really enjoyed, I would like have. Like a guitar. We'd have blazed yes, through it. Yes. I would have still read it no matter how tired I was. So yeah. I was kind of sad about that. But, um, I think my favorite part was the relationships. Um, yeah. The author, TJ Klune, is very good at writing relationships and writing this atmosphere that you want to be in. Like, you're like, wow, I really wish I was in that tea shop with all them ghosts because it feels like really cozy. <laughs> yeah, even, yeah, even though there was a lot of death around and a lot of sadness, it still felt really warm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, warm. Very, very much. Um, what was your least favorite part of the book? Um, 
it's very descriptive ways that I don't like. <laughs> like what? Like, he's, at least in this book, he's very descriptive for explaining every scene, and you don't need that at yeah. every scene. Like, he took a really long time, like, explaining what Wallace was wearing to his funeral and, mm-hmm. you know, things that were happening in his funeral and all this, and you didn't really need it. Um, yeah, the whole flip-flop, flip-flop thing really bothered me because no high-powered attorney is going to show up to their office like that. Like he said, he was just running in there because it was like a Saturday and no one was there. Yeah. Um, so he was wearing sweatpants, a Rolling Stone t-shirt, and flip-flops. And because he died in it, that's what he was wearing forever. Um, no, especially when it's explained Wallace was such a dick and so strict with his employees that they had to look professional. There ain't no way he's going in there on a Saturday, Sunday, midnight, looking like that. No, probably jeans and a loafers and a shirt, but not yes. sweatpants and flip yes. Agreed. Um, my least favorite part. Okay. Without getting into too much detail, too many details, the plot, in my opinion, and I don't want this to take away because TJ Clune is a great writer, great author. It's evident when you're reading his books. It was just um, lacking. The plot needed some work. Yeah. There are several spots where you're just kind of like, huh, oh, that's where we're going. It, yeah. I don't know. It was just, it was very slow in many, many places. Very slow. Um, it doesn't pick up until like page 250. Yeah. And you have to get through those first 200. Honestly, you could have probably read the first chapter. And skipped straight to page 250 and you Yeah, and skipped, and skipped when the manager shows up. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't have missed anything. You would have been totally on par with, on track with the story. You wouldn't even, I mean, their relationships developed a little bit and Wallace changed a little bit, but you didn't yeah. even see it that much in those pages, so. I agree. And at the end, they're all like, oh my god, Wallace, you've changed. And I'm like, not really. He just like helps you pull chairs down, like, from the table. That's pretty much it well he does start to defend them a little more and fight for them and you know just do little things to see smiles on their faces and make them laugh and all of that whereas he wouldn't have done it that when he was alive he would have fired you over nothing but and why is everyone so like being so rude about like being like so he's there and he's being a dick to them because he's dead and he's like no i want to go back to my life i'll be like bro i don't have to go to work anymore and i'm about to go to heaven like Hell yes. I mean, no pun intended, but hell yeah. This is awesome. I wouldn't be like, oh, I want to be alive again. I want to go back to my, the dude had nothing. All he had was his job. Why you want to go back to that life? Why are you being such a jerk? I would be so excited to go to heaven. It sounds dope. Yeah. (laughs) The only thing that would suck about being a ghost is you can't read books all day. Well, I mean, you can if you hold them. So they had like, okay. So when Wallace get, we'll explain it to them. When Wallace get, we'll explain it for William because you know William doesn't read all the books. Yeah, William didn't read this. Uh, and William <laughs> don't read it because it's boring. Um, so when he gets there, cause she, so when the Reaper picks him up, the Reaper takes him to the ferryman. In this case, it's Hugo, and he's running the tea shop. That's kind of like his cover, I guess. Um, and he's human, which I thought mm-hmm. was really weird for a ferryman to be human. Like, you would think he'd be some kind of, like, you know, not like an angel, but, like, you know. Like some sentient being or yeah, something. Yeah, yes, exactly. So that's why I was weird that he was a human. 
Um, so, and Hugo makes a tea, like, based on the person. So, in, in Wallace's case, it was a peppermint tea because he had a very fond memory of his mother making candy canes. And it, mm-hmm. he picks, like, he'll pick a different one for every soul that comes. Um, and he just kind of, like, helps. I guess he's trying to help them get closure before they cross over. Yeah. And he's like, help, he's help, trying to help them through those stages of grief and depression and everything and accept that they're dead and wait for them to feel ready to cross over. Yes. And, um, so Wallace, like he can't touch anything. And Nelson, the grandfather, who's a ghost is like, um, it took me a really long time to learn how to do that. And he's like, you can change your clothes. You can like touch stuff. You can move stuff, but it's like a, like it takes a lot of energy and you're going to have to learn how to do it. And Wallace is like, teach me, teach me, teach me. So there's like a really funny, you know, Nelson is my favorite character. He's funny. Yeah, he's funny. And he's sassy. And I think the only person that could play him is Morgan Freeman. He'd be perfect. Sassy. Even like the physical description sounded just like Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I could see him swinging a cane at everybody. <laughs> like a crotchety old grandpa. Um, It was really sweet that the dog Apollo was Hugo's dog. And then when he died... His spirit stayed with Hugo. I know. I loved that. I was just like, oh, and like little Jackson was laying next to me. And I was like, oh, Jack, are you going to stay? Oh, gosh. It was so I'm hearing. <laughs> um, shit, I forgot. What, oh, yeah. I guess so. I'll go to the next question. Um, By the way, these are a mix of Oprah's book club questions and our own. I already know what your answer is. Was it a fast or slow read and why? Slow. Slower than so Christmas. Slow. My God, it was so <sighs> slow. Um, which event scene or character has stuck with you the most? I mean, besides the little fake medium that they ran off when Wallace first started learning how to change his clothes, like the first outfit he unconsciously changed into was this little bitty bikini top and bottom. <laughs> that was so funny. It and Nelson kept talking about his legs. Yeah. <laughs> and then the very next time he tried, he changed into like this skeleton costume, and then Nelson yeah. started commenting on his package. <laughs> oh yeah, that was really funny. Um, there are some really funny scenes with them. Um, gosh, event scene or character that stuck with me the most? I'm gonna say Cameron. Yeah, and mostly yeah. So when Wallace first gets there, he oh he also has this hook in his chest. That has like this mm-hmm. line that goes to Hugo and he's like, what is this? And they're like, it's basically to keep you, if you didn't have something tethering you here, you would just like float away. And so this is to keep you here and to keep you safe until you're ready to cross over. And Wallace is like, well, I want to leave. And they're like, well, if you leave here, then you'll start to like, well, so he, so basically he leaves, he tries to leave. They try to come and find him and he runs into this like, zombie looking thing basically he has like gray skin and wallace's skin starts to like flake off he's like what the hell and they're mm-hmm. like we told you dude this is what happens when you leave so they take him back and then he's totally fine and he's like what was that thing and they're like at first they're like real shy shy they don't want to talk about it and then come to find out it was a soul that hugo had with a different reaper that left and mm-hmm. the reaper was like oh there's nothing you know he made his choice there's nothing you can do about it and then that's what happened to him. So he's kind of like a soulless a husk of a, a person. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, and they, he had like black teeth and a black tongue. I mean, he's real nasty. But then like, he comes to, he like wanders to the tea shop and Wallace is like, I don't think he's a husk. Like, I think he's still in there because he like touches him or something. Cameron touches Wallace and Wallace gets like a flood of these memories that are Cameron's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cameron, um, ended his own life because his, was it his husband or were they? I don't yeah. remember. It okay. was his part. I don't know if it was partner. his husband, but it was definitely his partner. Yeah. Died unexpectedly. And Cameron was dealing with the grief and he said he lasted four months and then he ended his life. And they said that suicides are very difficult to deal with because they have so much going on. They're as very, are murders. Yes. Murders are very hard as well. Um, so Cameron didn't transition well. And the reaper that Hugo had before May was not a good reaper. And he was like, Oh, you know, don't basically don't worry about it. And then Wallace is like, no, I think Cameron's still in there. Cause he could hear him screaming, help me, help me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll explain more what happened later. But, yeah, I think Cameron's the one that stuck with me the most. What did you think of the writing? Any standout sentences or vocabulary? No standout sentences or vocabulary. Um, I mean, there were quite a lot of. I, I wish I would have wrote some down, but they're really long winded. Like, there's a lot of all right paragraphs and little things that they say about accepting death and like Mm -hmm. we have no choice but Mm -hmm. it's basically all things that we've heard before just rephrased yeah um i found some words i was gonna ask you what they meant so the first one's on page 108 i don't even know if i'm gonna say it right obfuscating obfuscating O- I might not even know some of these. Let's see. O-B-F-U-S-C-A-T-I-N-G. I mean, from context clues, like maybe lying or putting on airs, because it says he wasn't ob- obfuscating. He genuinely had never thought about it that way. Or being facetious. I mean, that's what I'm gathering it means. Let's see where it's at. I'm at 108. Oh, wait. Um, it's the second to last paragraph. Oh. Okay. I'm good. I'm Made his skin and she felt on display showing things he didn't think he'd ever be ready to show. He wasn't off. Skating. Okay. So per our, uh, Oxford languages, obfuscate means... To render obscure, unclear, or unintelligible. Okay. Okay. I must have missed that one because I didn't know that one either. So my next one's on page 156, and it's polyglot. Let me see where it's at on page 156. They say it a few times. It's kind of in the middle in that bigger paragraph. Oh, yeah, when they were playing Scrabble. Yes, especially... When playing against a polyglot. So let me Google that one. Oh, okay. Um, this is from Oxford Languages as well. Knowing or using several languages. Okay. And then there's one more that I found. Where is it? Oh, I guess I didn't have another one. That's it. 
Um, I liked the writing. I think I think TJ Quinn is a very talented writer. I very much like his inclusion of buying gay characters. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. I just don't like his long-winded scene explanations. <laughs> I don't remember House on the Cerulean Sea being like that. However, I listened to it on the audiobook. And yeah, the narrator, so you might not have noticed it I much. might not have noticed it. The narrator was phenomenal. It was one of the best audiobooks I've ever listened to. He was so good. He was so funny. He did amazing voices. Um, so I don't know if that's another reason why it got five stars. I don't know if I would have like read it if I'd have felt the same way. It was a really good story. I, I think, I think TJ is a great writer. Um, next question. Oops. Would you want to read another book by this author? I'd give it a go. I would, too. Did reading the book impact your mood in any way? How and where? Mm. Um, Yes, I ugly cried at the end. I didn't really ugly cry because we kind of knew what was going to happen once it was getting there. Yes, this book is very predictable. Yeah. Very predictable. Like, you know... And I don't. I mean, well, we're at the we're at the end, so we might as well. So, yeah, the manager comes and shows himself. Oh, and the manager is Hugo's boss, and they Hugo and May kind of reference him. They're like, "Listen, you know, we don't want the manager to come." Miles is like, "Who's the manager?" And they're like, "We don't really know who he is. He's just like the boss. Um, <laughs> like he's not God, but he's a God. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and he's the one that took care of the bad reaper. So there was also an incident." After Cameron, after the Reaper's like, oh, you don't have to go over him. He's a husk. Don't worry about it. Um, there was a little girl that died that Hugo was trying to yeah. help cross over. And because it said something about when children die, they still have such a strong connection to the world. Because and they're so pure. Yeah. Because they're so pure. And somehow her mother, like, lived in a whole other state, showed up at this tea shop. And she was like, you're holding my, you're, you've kidnapped my daughter and like called the police. And they're like, well, they found out that her daughter had just passed away from cancer. And they're like, ma'am, you're just like grieving. So she would come to the tea shop periodically and just sit there and Hugo would bring her tea and try to talk to her. And she would never talk. And he's like, I'm here when you're ready to talk. So uh, I don't remember what happened, but basically there was like a commotion and the old reaper just like shoved the girl through the door and she like wasn't. And that really pissed Hugo off because he's like, she was not ready. That was traumatic. So the manager came and like snapped his finger and that Reaper like ceased to exist. And that's how May came. Um, Do you remember what the commotion was? Like what? It was with that fake medium. She was feeding Nancy false information. Oh, okay. And like just took all of her money and Leah was still there trying to communicate and she was causing like a ruckus with things moving, electricity, and the bulbs blowing up and all that. Okay. Yeah, and then the Reaper shut. That was horrible. Um, so, okay, go ahead. Sorry. You were going to keep going about the end. No. Oh, yes. Okay. So the manager comes. So the manager comes and tells Wallace that he's interrupting his plans, and he's going to give him seven days to do, you know, whatever it is he wants to do with his friends, but then when he comes back, he has to pass through the door. And it's just kind of predictable, 
because during these seven days, like Wallace is doing everything good that he can in this situation. Mm-hmm. And like, you could kind of see these things start to set up where you're like, okay, well, somebody has to fix this and it's going to get fixed and this is going to get fixed and all that. Like Wallace ends up helping Cameron pull out of this husk. Like he pulls this hook out of his chest and shoves mm-hmm. it into Cameron mm-hmm. and Cameron's suddenly a person again and ready yeah. to cross over in like two days. Yes. And so after Wallace removes that hook, he didn't even know if it would work. But um, so what had happened was Hugo took Wallace out on his scooter. He's like, hey, you know how much time we would have away. Right. And he's like, yeah, because they're this whole time. They're kind of falling in love. Mm-hmm. And so they want some time. First of all, I don't even the manager showed up because a health inspector came and. Um, oh, there was another guy there, Alan, another soul that they had got in the middle of this whole Wallace thing. And Alan had been murdered. And that's what Lacey was talking about when she's saying murder victims have a hard time. He was very angry. And his energy was like causing light bulbs to burst. And the health inspector was there and was like, what's going on? So he caused such a commotion that the manager showed up. And the manager basically froze everyone and shoved Alan through the door to cross over. He did the same thing. Um, but I don't get why the manager was so interested in Wallace and why he felt like he needed to give him a timeline. That didn't really make sense. He was like, oh, yeah, you have to cross in seven days. Because like, oh. he, he was upsetting the balance. Okay. But I think he also was going to try something like what he did in the end because mm-hmm. it said that he could see sparks, different sparks in people that yes. he felt like needed to be a reaper or a ferryman and stuff like that. And it does mention several times throughout the book that while, like, the fact that he was able to change his clothes so early or the fact that he was able to, like, bust a light bulb, like, he had, like, a different kind of energy and a stronger Mm -hmm. kind of energy than they were used to. It does mention that several times. Um, So, yeah, like Lacey said, he removes his hook. He slams it into Cameron. Cameron's a person again. And Hugo's like, they told me, like, the manager told me this was impossible. Like, I thought once you were a husk, you could never come back. Um. So Wallace, they have to tie his leg with a, one of Apollo's old leashes so he doesn't float away. <laughs> and that is so funny. They, like, take yeah. the leash. Like, sometimes Apollo will have the leash. It's so funny. <laughs> and he's like, you're lucky we had one of Apollo's old leashes down here. Um, so basically, at the end, instead of Wallace having to cross, the manager comes and makes him a reaper, too, because... Hugo sits the manager down and he's like, listen, you basically told me that this husk bringing him back was impossible and we did it. So we want to help all the husks. The manager's like, this is not a negotiation. I'm the boss, blah, 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 but okay. (laughs) And he's like, why would you say okay? And he's like, because it's like different and I kind of want to see what happens. So I'll make Wallace a reaper and he can help and you can have two reapers. And then Wallace and Hugo are in love and they live happily ever after. But like right before this happens, like, uh, Wallace and, and the manager standing at the door and like the door whispers mm-hmm. to the dead people that need to cross over and all that well as this is happening like the manager's having a conversation with the door and like the whispering under the door is getting louder and louder mm-hmm. and it's making different noises and like you can clearly tell he is arguing with somebody above him mm, I didn't catch that yeah okay that makes sense. Oh, because he does say something like, I told them blah, 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 or whatever. Yes. Okay. The sad thing is, so the grandfather had been dead a long time. 
But he stayed there with Hugo because he felt like he needed to look out for him. And he even tells Wallace, like, my wife is waiting on me. I know she is, but I know that she would agree that I need to be here. So then at the end, after Wallace has made a reaper and they're in love, Nelson's like, it's time for me to cross. And then he changes into a young man. Mm -hmm. And he said, because they asked him at the beginning, why are you an old man if you can make yourself look however you want? And he's like, well, because I like being old. But at the end, he says it's because that's what Hugo would remember. Yeah. So he changes into a young man. And then he's going. And then Hugo's like, Apollo, you should go with him. And I want he's and Apollo doesn't want to. And he's like, because Apollo was um, Hugo's service dog when mm-hmm. Apollo was alive. Because Hugo has very bad anxiety, has panic attacks. And he's like, boy, I need you to do me. I need you to do this for me. I need you to look after a granddad. I'm crying just thinking about it. And then little man's just laying next to me. And you know he's really old. And I'm like, Jackson. Oh, God. That's why I, yeah, that's why I ugly cried. I bet if your dog would have been laying next to you, you would have ugly She cried. is. She is. <laughs> <laughs> it was that's so why it's one of my favorite sweet. parts. Oh, it's so it's sweet. like what you ate on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's how it impacted my mood. The fact that they made the manager like he appears as a yeah. stag mm-hmm. and then he turns into a little boy mm-hmm. when he's speaking. So I didn't that's really fair. understand that. Yeah, me either. And he's just a really, a really out there character. Um, what surprised me most? Um, let's talk about how not busy they are for a reaper and ferryman. Um, yeah. people, do you know how many people die every minute? Like, why the fuck do they not got souls just like banging in there? So, like, how many reapers and ferrymen are there if they can have like one case every two weeks? Yeah. Come on. That's what surprised me most. Um, I also wrote down this quote on page 168. Uh, let me, it's, it's the scene with the, with the medium. Uh, let's see. I'm looking for it. She's like, talk to me, spirits, da, da, da. And it's funny because Nelson's like, tell her you're a demon. Tell her you want to eat her liver. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Nelson's all about it. He's like telling Wallace what to like do on the Ouija. He's like, I want to eat your liver, and yeah. she goes, "Liver," and he goes, "Sorry, autocorrect liver." <laughs> He's like, "Tell her you want to, yeah, tell her you're Satan." It's so funny. But where is this quote where she says, oh. "And then May comes running out with knives, yelling, 'I'm yes. Satan, I'm Satan.'" <laughs> oh, she says, "Spirit." Fill me with your ghostly ectoplasm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was funny. That was really funny. Uh, next question. How did your opinion of the book change when you reached the ending? I mean, we always knew that he was going to come back somehow. We yeah. Him and Hugo were falling in love, so mm-hmm. it was kind of really expected. Yeah. Um, my I don't know. I guess the whole I, I like the ending. It did redeem the slow parts for me. It was a good ending. A little bit. I still think I'll polish this day, but I get why he crossed over. Oh, that was so sad. How does the book's title work in relation to the book's contents? Oh, you know what? I just got it. The title. <laughs> yeah, because the door whispers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not 
you'd have to read pretty far into it to know that the door even whispers. So it's not yes. like it's not like a really obvious title. Yeah. It works. Is the book overrated or underrated? Um I'm gonna say un- I'm gonna say over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna over. agree. It has four point four two on Goodreads. Yeah, it's over. I'm gonna say it's overrated. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because whew, you have to be in the right headspace to read this book. It's not even that it just I mean if it wasn't so slow and if there were a bunch of things not needed taken out and you know some some more things added, I think it would have really made the readers reflect more on death and near death experiences and after death experiences and all that. It just it fell a little short. So one of our listeners at the small one um wrote the topic of death is one I struggle with a great deal. Also, this author's quirky, unusual characters and storyline and his favorite shade of blue, Cerulean, pops up in here several times. But I agree with uh, the small one because if you are someone that struggles with the topic of death or you have just maybe lost someone. Yeah, or, it, it wouldn't be hard to read in that case. Yeah, I think it would be extremely if it were me, I don't know that I could read this. Mm. I feel like I'm the kind of person that it would put me in a very bad place, I think. Yeah. I don't know. But then the ending, you could be like, okay, well, maybe, you know, the person that I've just lost or, you know, you could say they are in a good place. I don't know. I could see it going either way. Did this book remind you of any other books or is it an original idea? I thought it was pretty original. It didn't remind me of anything else. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, how did it impact you? Do you think you'll remember it in a few months or years? Mm, probably not. I think it impacted me because it made me kind of reevaluate the way I look at the afterlife. Um, I like that it was so basically, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, it's not like you just die and go to heaven. There's like a process, a bureaucratic, there's like a process. And in the interview with TJ Klune, he even said that the scene in Beetlejuice, you know, where they get like a caseworker, heavily influenced him when writing this because he just thought that was like such a crazy concept that you die and go to the office and figure out like what comes next. I I could see that. So it made me kind of reevaluate the way I look at it. I did. I did like the fact that it gave. Instead of just saying, you know, there's a heaven or a hell, it gave Wallace a chance to, like, redeem himself in death Mm -hmm. before he decided to cross over or not. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Honestly, let's talk about Hugo. He's like, um, I would probably do whatever he told me. He seems like a very calming presence. Yes. And, like, very reasonable. Yes, very reasonable, very easygoing. If he was like, hey, I think you should shave your head, I'd be like, all right, yeah, that sounds great. I have a very bumpy head. Like, that would not be a good look for me, but I would be like, no, it'd be beautiful. It'd be great. (laughs) You'd be like, all right, let's do it then. You gonna help me? He's like such one of the, he's like one of those characters that's just like so good. There's just nothing bad about him. No, he's so patient and everything. Would you consider rereading? No. No. Any lingering questions or plot holes from the book? I mean, why the stag for the manager? Yeah, I mean, I think it symbolizes like a new beginning or something like that or hope, but. Oh, explain that a little, you know, I think, I think if I remember right. 
I also thought it was weird that the ferryman couldn't touch the ghost. Only May could yeah, do it. Yeah, right. You would think a ferryman, like I said earlier, would have powers, I mean, to touch someone they're helping cross over. But I guess yeah. technically all he has to do is open the door, so. Yeah. All right, so we have a review. This is from at Book Aloha. Um, they gave it five stars. They said, trigger warning, death, bereavement, illness. Um, and then they start off with a quote from the book. If we worry about the little things all the time, we run the risk of missing the bigger things. And side note, that's like a huge theme in this book because Wallace was like a workaholic attorney. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's kind of one of the things they're like, hey, look at how much you missed out on because you were like working all the time. Anyways, and so I always to- say it's about the little things anyway. It is very true. You do say that a lot. <laughs> so at book Aloha said this was such a phenomenal book about love, death, grief, and kindness. I liked how this book explored some dark themes with great care and masterful, masterfully shed lights on the fear of unknown. We all have. I absolutely adored the well-crafted characters and the witty dialogue throughout the book. It was such a fascinating story about living the best life you can without regrets. Highly recommend. I agree. The characters were great. Yeah. Dialogue was great. Yeah. Very funny scenes. The whole thing with Nelson and Wallace, hilarious. Love their um, camaraderie. Relationship. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, anything else we need to talk about on Under the Whispering Door? Any other things we forgot to mention? I was looking through my notes and I don't see it. I don't see anything. I don't think so. I, w- I mean, read it. You know, if you're listening and you're like, I don't know if I should read it, read it. See, see what you think about it. If you like. The coming of oneself books and yes. all the touchy feely and yeah, read it. Mm-hmm. Cause it is a beautiful story and it does have a beautiful ending and there are some great moments. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. It's entertaining. So our next book is two weeks from today. Uh, this is a listener's episode and at Amy underscore always reading pick to the next book. So she selected. Crap, I forgot who the author is. It's, it's the Sundown Motel um, by, uh-oh, where is it? Wow, I really should have. Okay, I'm just going to look it up on Goodreads. Did you order it yet? No, I haven't. I placed an order, and I bought one of the books that I think you got in your book box. Oh, which one? Uh, the Hex, the Hex Hex. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so excited about that book. Yes. Okay. It's the Sundown Motel by Simone St. James. It's marketed as horror, horror, thriller, mystery, suspense. Um, I'll read from what Goodreads says. The secrets lurking in a rundown roadside motel ensnare a young woman just as they did her aunt 35 years before in this new atmospheric suspense novel. From National Bestseller, blah, blah, blah. Uh, upstate New York, 1982. Every small town like Fell, New York, has a place like the Sundown Motel. Some customers are from out of town, passing through on their way to someplace better. Some are locals trying to hide their secrets. Viv Delaney works as the night clerk to pay for her move to New York City. But something isn't right at the Sundown, and before long, she's determined to uncover all of the secrets hidden. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've heard it's kind of like slash movie, so hopefully, 
that will be perfect. Um, so we'll read that two weeks from today. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that will be Lacey's pick, which will technically be in November, but it's only November 2nd, so we're still going to do some Halloween stuff. Oh, uh, absolutely. Because we love Halloween, and we'll be reading it over Halloween, and it'll be freaking perfect. I ordered my Halloween costume yesterday. Did you? I want to tell you, but I kind of want – I kind of don't want to tell you, and then I just want to show you, and then I want you to get <laughs> You'll have to send me, like – obscure pictures so I can guess before you show me because I think it's going to be so bloody obvious I I think you're going to get it Steve got it instantly and if Steve can get it you can get it <laughs> maybe I don't know maybe well the thing that it's from you've watched and he hasn't and he still got it and I'm not even going anywhere I don't even know <laughs> You can just dress up and watch popcorn or eat popcorn and watch some yeah, scary I'll movies. Just, ring your doorbell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sundown Motel, two weeks. Anything else we need to talk about? I don't think so. All right, bye. Bye. Little, say bye. <laughs>